0: things, things that hurt and heal, yet pain tells us a nail from the things that we hold on to, but even in our misery, we're clearly undeniably called to a greater purpose by the one who made us, when I felt worthless, he said worth it, when I was sick, he said don't quit, but there was poison in my lungs from the things that I won't let go of, yet for all it's worth, he calls me better than the hurt, that I might rise to the calling, tell sin that I ain't falling, clear the ledger cause I'm better. His way. I surrender. All right, welcome, Lake Point family, and hey, if you got your Bibles, head over to Romans chapter 12. Uh, Romans chapter 12, while you're turning there, hey, if you're new with us, we are incredibly honored that uh, you are here with us, and my name's Josh, I'm uh, one of the senior pastors of our church, and uh, man, we really are, just thanks for joining us in the new year. I do, Lake Point family, while you're turning the passage, um, I want to let you know that there is a very important mark your calendar date coming up um, in two weeks, two weeks from this weekend. So it's gonna be the weekend of February 1st and 2nd. 1st and 2nd of February. Um, that is, it's not only Super Bowl week, it's Super Bowl week for Lake Point Church. Um, that week is, uh, is, is, is a couple things. One, um, that's the uh, leadership baton pass week where Pastor Steve will kind of pass the leadership baton uh, on. Um, we're also that week, Pastor Steve is celebrating his 40th anniversary as a senior pastor of Lake Point. That's right, man. We don't want to golf clap that one. And so uh, that week, we are really pulling out all the stops. You'll kind of see what's going on. That's going to be a, a, a really, we're using the word extravaganza around the office about what that week's going to look like. And so we've had a bunch of people uh, emailing, hey, when is that week? When is that week, make, wanna make sure I don't miss that? So uh, man, mark your calendar, block off your schedule, cancel your vacation, uh, and we'll see you there that week. Um, I do just wanna say a little, little teaser, you know, Leadership Baton Pass, What you are going to see that, Pastor Steve is gonna wear skinny jeans, I'm gonna wear a Tommy Bahama shirt. It's gonna be awesome, <laughs> man, it's gonna be really great. And it'll uh, <laughs> be really good. Um, also, one other thing, this is my first time getting to be with you in 2020. Uh, and so there was one thing, 2019 was like a, a God doing exceedingly abundantly more than all we could ask or imagine year. Um, there were a lot of stats and stories that came out of the year. There's one that I really wanna highlight. Um, last year in 2019, the calendar year, we baptized more people, by the way, I'm gonna say something, don't clap until I cue you, okay? Uh, We we baptized more people last year than any year in history of our church. Last year we baptized 969 people um, at all of our campuses over the course of the year. And what I wanna do is, what I know is those people at all of our campuses, you're sitting next to those people who made a decision last year that's gonna change the rest of their life, change their family, change their eternity. So Lake Point family, can we show those people what we think about the decision they made last year? Let's do that right now, come on man. We do, that's right. Listen, if you did that this year, we are so proud of you. We are cheering you on. And listen, we're in this thing together. And so, welcome to the family. All right. Well, hey, um, what we got going on today, we're starting a new series that we're calling Detox. And here's where this comes from. Um, if you're, you're, there's the term detox. A detox, it's something that happens at the beginning of a change process where your body purges something that's unhealthy inside of you, a toxin, you know something you need to get rid of, because you gotta get the bad out before you can get the good in. So for instance, um, if you've ever had a loved one that's gone through a rehab before, first step in the rehab process is going through detox. You're locked away, you can't you know, have anything unhealthy getting in your body, because your body's gotta purge all the vestiges of the unhealthy substances you took in. That's a, a detox. Uh, my wife, Jana, um, she is, she's, a, a, you, I like to, cu- people call her a little crunchy. That's what they call her. She, I mean, she's part hippie. And uh, Jana loves to do cleanses. She's all about cleanses. I think they're hilarious, and uh, that's a totally other conversation. Uh, Jana sometimes, at the beginning of a cleanse, she'll do this thing, a a detox, where it's a, a detox of toxins in your body. She'll put her feet in this little foot bath and put this substance in there that's supposed to draw out. Those toxins, it's really disgusting. And uh, let me just say this, if you wanna know what that, that looks like, this shirt used to be white, fell in one of those foot baths after she did. toxin, that kind of thing. And then... Um, Some of you guys, you know, beginning of the year, 2020, you're like, hey man, I'm gonna lose some weight. You're doing a carb detox, no bread. Can I just say this? Let me just get this out here. Can we please stop with this bread is bad for you foolishness? Listen, Jesus did not say that he was the broccoli of life. He did not pray, give us his day our daily kale. It's all about bread. Bread's awesome. Can we just say that? 2020, more bread. That's it, man. Give me, I want extra gluten on my order. That's what I want. So... So we, we understand that detox because we gotta get the bad out before we get the good in. And what I wanna say is we instinctively understand this with our bodies. But what we understand as Christians is that we're more than bodies. We're a body, a soul, and a spirit. And so there's things in our souls, and our spirits, in our lives that we've gotta get out before we can get the good in. And so during this series we're gonna do is each week we're gonna look at an area of your life that, that probably needs a detox. Now the next week of the series we're looking at detoxing our thoughts And this is a huge theme in the Bible. There are probably some thoughts that have been long held in your life that are keeping you from becoming who God has called you to be, who you can become. We're gonna look at what does it look like to detox those things. The week after that, we're gonna look at detoxing our relationships. And we all know there's some detox, there's some toxic relationships probably in your life. They're holding you back from who God has called you to be. And so we're gonna look, what does it look like? How do I get those things out of my life, what's that look like? This week, I'm gonna give you a trivia question for this week, and and let me set it up like this. Uh, This week's detox, here's what I know, everybody you've ever met experiences a gap in their life between who they are and who they want to be. Uh, As a Christian, you might say it like this, you're experiencing a gap between your identity, who God has declared you to be, God has declared you to be holy, righteous, pure, lovely in his sight, That's who God's declared you to be. But you may look at your life and go, man, who God's declared, that's not always what I do. My actions aren't always pure, lovely, holy, acceptable in His sight. So there's a gap between who God's called me to be and who I am, my identity and my reality. Now here's my question, okay, trivia question. What is the one thing that has the most power to close that gap between who you are and who you wanna be? Now here's what a lot of people think. A lot of people think it's goals. A lot of people think, man, that's why we make New Year's resolutions. We're like, man, there are some people you may think that they have goals and they achieve goals. And then there's some people, maybe you may go like me, who don't have goals and who don't achieve goals. Now, let me just kind of point this out. There was a book I read earlier this year by a guy named James Clear. I'm not gonna tell you the title of the book because that would give away the answer to my trivia question. Uh, What he said was this, is he pointed out that everybody you've ever met, have you noticed this? everybody you've ever met has the same goals. Everybody wants to be successful in their job, financially independent. They wanna have a healthy family, a good relationship with their kids. You know, they wanna do well in life and succeed. They wanna have a healthy marriage. Everybody wants those things. Nobody you've ever met at the beginning of a year goes, you know what I want? I want divorce, debt, obesity, a terrible relationship with my kids. I wanna fail at my job. Everyone you've ever met has the same goals. So why do, does everyone have the same goals, but different people have radically different results? Why, for some of you, was your 2019, 2019 New Year's resolution, you were like, man, I'm gonna lose 20 pounds this year. And in 2020, you're like, only 30 to go. You know? It's a, why is it that there are same goals, dramatically different results? Well, this is what he says. What he says is, because we do not rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our habits. The one thing that has the most power to close the gap between who you are and who you wanna be, who God has declared you to be, and what you do, your identity and your reality, the one thing that has the most power to change, to close that gap, are your habits. Now listen, let me say it like this and then I'm going show it to you in the scriptures. If that's true, What that means is that the one thing in your life that is most holding you back from being the person that you most want to be, it's probably a bad habit or the lack of a habit. Conversely, the thing that could most propel you forward to become the person that you desperately want to be, that God's called you to be, guess what it is? The introduction of a positive, a holy habit. We do not rise to the level of our goals we fall to the level of our habits. And in general, your life is the sum total of the habits that you have now. I wanna show you this in the scriptures. Now, 90 time, 99 times out of 100, I just need you to know this. I am usually gonna take a passage and tease out, unpack a passage. This one time, I'm gonna take a theme in the Bible and unpack this theme. Have you ever noticed how significant the theme of habit is in the Bible? Think about this, uh, when God created a people in the Old Testament, the Jewish people, Israel, have you ever noticed he created a people of habits? Think about this, how many habits are woven into the calendar of an Old Testament person? Twice a day, an Old Testament Jew would wake up and go to bed and recite scripture, a part of the scripture called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That was a habit. Every time I wake up, I recite it. Every time I go to bed, I recite it. It was a habit. There were other habits, a a monthly habit. There was a monthly habit of the tithe. Every month, I'm gonna bring the first fruits, the first of my increase back to God to remind me to walk by faith and to teach that to my children. There were other habits. Think about the habit of sacrifice. Here was the habit. Every time I sin, something dies. Sin, Sin, death, sin, death, sin, death. I sin. Something innocent dies, pointing forward to Jesus. This habit, ingraining something into the souls of God's people. Uh, There were annual habits. Think about this, three festivals throughout the year that the Jewish people did to remind themselves of what God had done. And here's how that happened. We do it in their minds. We do this every single year. Remember, remember, remember. Go again, go again. Go again, it was a habit. There was one other habit that's really important to the Jewish people, uh, this, I was reminded of this. Last week, I was in Israel, gotta go to Israel for the first time, and while I was there, uh, I have a pastor friend who was in Israel, and he got on an elevator at his hotel, and he noticed that the elevator was stopping at every floor of the hotel, and he was like, guys, what in the world is going on? He turned around, and, uh, and they explained that it was Saturday, Jewish Sabbath, and he was on a Sabbath elevator, because they have a rule, that uh, you can't start a fire on a Sabbath. That would be work. And so what they do is, uh, is to press a button would start an electric current, and you can't do that. So on the elevator, there's no buttons. It just stops at every floor. So he was like, well, hey, is there a Gentile elevator? You know, <clears throat> and they said, actually, yeah, there is. And he said, well, where is it? They said, just get out, turn to the left. You can get right in the Gentile elevator. So he did that, and when he got in, he started to push the button, he turned around. All of them had followed him in. They said, hey, can you press seven for us, <laughs> you know? <laughs> There it is, they're very serious about this habit of Sabbath. Now think about this, now watch this. Think about, fast forward to the New Testament and think about the most common word in in the Greek New Testament is the word parapateo. It means to walk. And that's how the Bible describes our relationship with God, a walk. Now what is a walk? It's the same repeated action over and over and over. Your relationship with God is a habit. Think about the habits of the New Testament people, all the habits of the firsts. We spend the first part of our day with God in prayer in the Bible. We return the first part of our increase, our income to God as a tithe. We spend the first day of the week with God as a Sabbath, reminding ourselves of him. Now, I want you to see this in one specific passage. In Romans 12, look at this passage, watch what it says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now watch this phrase right here. Do not conform to the pattern. Now you guys tell me, pop quiz, what's another word for pattern? Do not conform to the habits of this world. Did you guys know this? This world has habits that it's trying to ingrain in you. And what you need to know is the habits of this world, they have an outcome. The habits of this world produce divorce, depression, and debt. That's what they produce. Do not conform to the habits of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, let me ask this question. Why does the Bible connect habits and and mind? Why does the Bible connect habits and mind? This is really interesting. Um, Do you know what's going on in your mind whenever you take an action, okay? Whenever we do something, here's what happens in our brains. Whenever we do something that results in immediate pleasure or comfort, our brain gives us a hit of a legal drug called dopamine. Now, I didn't say didn't, some of you got really excited. I didn't say dope, okay? That's dopamine. Our, Bible, our, our brain gives us a little hit of a legal drug called dopamine, and it's literally as powerful as a narcotic a little hit, a little high, a little thrill. So, what happens is every time you take that action, your brain goes, dopamine. So for instance, if every morning you wake up and the first thing you do is you get on social media and you scroll and you see that somebody liked your post, your brain goes, dopamine. If every time you get lonely, you look at pornography, your brain goes, dopamine, gives you a little hit. If every time you're having a bad day, you drive home and you stop in at McDonald's and you eat your feelings, your brain goes, dopamine. If Jana texts me in the middle of the day and says, hey Josh, the kids are out of the house and I'm thinking about you, come home early. Dopamine, (laughs) all those things. Every time you take an action that produces immediate comfort or pleasure, your brain gives you that little hit. Now what you gotta understand, the more you do something, the more you're creating what scientists call neural pathways in your brain. So the first time you chose to do something, but every time that dopamine happens, it's creating a little groove in your brain over and over and over and over, and the groove gets deeper and deeper and deeper, so that at first you chose the action, and now you can't not choose the action. It's doing something to you, so that just like water flowing through dirt, the first time the water chooses where to go, but whenever there's a groove, it just becomes automatic. Now I wanna show you, what this is like, I need you to see what happens to you. and So I wanna give you a a little visual illustration of this, okay? Here's a little visual illustration, all right? What you've gotta understand, I need you, now real quick. The younger you are, the more important it is you understand what I'm about to say. And the older you are, the more you can testify to the truth of what I'm about to say, okay? What you need to understand is that choices Do not stay choices. Choices, they eventually harden into habits. And eventually a choice hardens into a habit and then someday a habit, it becomes automatic. You don't even choose anymore. It's your default setting. You wish you could choose something else and you can't. So the choice hardened into a habit. The habit became automatic. And then this fourth step, if you do that long enough, if you do that automatic thing long enough, eventually it's not just what you do, it becomes who you are, it becomes your identity. And over time, what I need you to understand is that your choices become chains. That's what happens to you. Now let me explain how this works. Here's what the devil wants to do. The devil understands that you've got great potential for the kingdom in your life. And so what the enemy will do is he'll come to you when you're very young and he'll offer you choices. Maybe you're not very young, maybe he'll come to you at the beginning or outside of a calling. And those choices, they might be friends, they might be mindsets, they might be things. And what he wants to do is he wants to lock you up like really, really good and tight with your choices that hardened into habits that become automatic, that become your identity, so that later in your life, those choices turned into chains. And eventually what happens to you is there are things that you're like, man, once upon a time, I chose to think of myself a certain way. I chose to think of myself as weak and powerless, or I chose to think of myself as depressed, and now I can't choose not to. Once upon a time, I chose to look at pornography when I was lonely. Now I can't choose not to. Once upon a time, I chose to look at my phone every single morning when I wake up and every night right after dinner, and now I can't choose not to. And what will happen to you is there will come a day in your life as the devil wants to lock you up really good in time, where someday there's a calling out in front of you, something that you wanna do and you can't go there anymore because your choices became chains in a habit. So now you might be in a spot where you're like, man, I want intimacy with my wife but I can't because of some choices I've made for 20 years. I wanna live my life for the glory of God, but I can't because of some choices that I made that hardened into habits. I wanna live a life of holiness and purity, and I can't because of some choices that I made. And what the devil wants to do is he wants to spend decades dragging you around with choices that you made in the past. What he wants to do is he wants you to look out at callings that are in front of you and he wants to tell you that hey, you can't do that because once upon a time, you did that choices you made in the past. But listen, I got good news for you. My Bible tells me that those choices were already covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, that those things have been gone. My Bible tells me that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That's right, I'm not gonna golf clap that. It says that he is, listen, you don't have to be a slave anymore. That God has come to set us free and that I have a name that has the power to break every chain that now the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead can be at work in you, to free you, to set you up to go into the calling, the thing that God has placed in front of you in your life, and you have the power to set you free from those things and to start new habits. What the Bible's telling you, watch this, is listen, yes, do choices become chains? They do, but what that means is you get to choose your chains. That once upon a time, you may have chosen things that locked you into divorce, depression, debt, anxiety, failure, all those things. But you have the power through the power of the Spirit at work in you to make choices that chain you to grace. There's a reason that Paul said this. I am a slave of Jesus Christ. Because Paul was chained to something else. You can, through holy habits, chain yourself to life, joy, joy, peace, abundant life in Christ, power in the Holy Spirit. You can chain yourself to those things through holy habits, chain to grace. Now here's a big question, what are those habits? Now listen, in one sense, this entire series is a habit series. Habits in our thoughts, habits in our relationships, but there are two habits that I just wanna say you need to consider at the beginning of this year making holy habits. One is you need to get into God's word you simply have to get into God's word. I, I read a study recently that, that pointed out that there is one habit that a Christian can undertake that results in every other habit of righteousness naturally outflowing from it. You know what it is? It's daily being in God's word. And what you need to know is every time you open the Bible, God has a fresh word in season for you. You can read the same passage you read a thousand times before and see something you never saw before because in Christ you're not who you were before. Every day, God has something ready for you in his word. Why? Because his word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing asunder soul, spirit, joints, marrow, judging the thoughts and intents of the heart. You can become somebody new through the power of God's word. And listen, here's what you need to know. You just need to know this. I, I have a strong conviction that the devil doesn't have to destroy you if he can distract you. And some of you, what you need to do is you need to wage war on this thing, taking precedence over that thing. Listen, it is hard to fix your eyes on Jesus Christ if your eyes are fixed on a screen all day, every day. And listen, what I I want you to see in here, I just need you to understand, is that God will turn the pages of your life if you learn to turn the pages of his word. So man, Make that a habit where you just say, even if it's just one verse, I'm gonna be a person, before I see a screen every single day, I'm gonna see a verse of scripture every single day, okay? I'll give you one other one. This may sound self-serving, I don't, I don't care, it's just something that's in the Bible. The other one is you need to be a person who prioritizes gathering with God's people for worship. Yeah, I read a, an article this year that, uh, it was in 2016 by a Harvard School of Public Health professor, a guy named Tyler Vanderweel, great name, And he wrote this article for the New York Times, it was called Religion May Be a Miracle Drug. And in it he pointed out that regular church attendance reduces mortality rates by 20 to 30% over a 15 year period. That if you just attend church regularly, those people have significantly lower rates of depression, are less likely to commit suicide, they have a greater purpose in their life. It reduces the divorce risk. If you attend church weekly, Stats show that reduces your divorce risk by 47%. And for people who attend church at least once a week, it increases their life expectancy by seven years. Okay, let me, you're welcome. You're you're welcome. Now let me just say this. All those things are awesome, but that's not why we gather with God's people for worship. What does the Bible say? Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. We've got other habits. The reason we gather with God's people is because we believe that one second in the presence of God can change everything. We believe that God inhabits the praise of his people. We believe that wherever two or three are gathered, so there he will be also. Listen, guys, you may look at this and you may go, Man, I attend church a couple times a month, and Josh, I don't even remember the songs we sing. I don't remember the sermons you preach. Let me just say, Neither do I. Yeah, I can't, I couldn't name the last 10 sermons I preached to you, but watch this. I also couldn't name the last 10 meals that I ate, but they nourished my body. I don't remember the 99% of the meals I've ever eaten, I don't remember them but it was faithfully continuing to eat that nourished and made me healthy. Listen, God uses faithful, forgettable sermons that I preach to nourish your soul, and you need those. And so we want to be people, listen, dads in this room, let me just say this to our dads. Dads, we don't want to lead families who we never miss a UT game, but we average church 1.7 times a month. We don't wanna be those people. So we wanna prioritize gathering with God's people. Now let me just finish here. Here's what I know. I know that if you begin a holy habit, what's gonna happen is you're gonna get into it and you're gonna go, man, I'm doing this and I've been doing this for a couple weeks. Doesn't seem like anything is happening. Nothing's happening, I don't see anything. Can I give you a a little visual illustration of, uh, of what a habit is like? So there's this passage in 1 Kings 18 where uh, a prophet Elijah is with a king named Ahab and in Israel it hasn't rained for three and a half years. And God speaks a word to Elijah that he's getting ready to send rain after a three and a half year drought. And Elijah goes to a mountain called Mount Carmel. I stood there last week and he he was there and he brings a, uh, a servant with him. And God, watch this, God has just given the promise, promise that rain's gonna come. And so they're waiting for the payoff, okay? So Elijah says to his servant, he says, Hey man, why don't you go climb that mountain and look in the direction of the sea and tell me what you can see? He says, Hey, climb that mountain. And so Elijah's servant goes, All right. And so he just starts going. It's like, Okay, here we go. This seems really dumb. I don't understand why I got to do this. You know, God already told us that He made a promise that He was going to give us rain. I don't understand, when well, God makes a promise, he fulfills his promise, i have well, got to climb this stupid mountain, so I'm, I'm gonna do what Elijah said to do, and so, all right, here we go. So he gets the top, and he looks, and he's like, uh-oh, <laughs> I don't see anything. He's like, okay, let me go, my Oh, man, this stinks, just a couple chapters ago, Elijah was in a bad mood, and killed 450 prophets, and I don't wanna bring him. A- bad news to Elijah, you know, here we go, tell him what I gotta see, I gotta be honest, he gets up here, We go back, he's like, hey, Elijah, I don't see anything, (laughs) and uh, Elijah looks at his servant, and his way says, he says, go again, and so the servant's like, okay, here we go, let me go again, all right, man, let me go again, I'm gonna go up, let me climb this mountain, man, you know, okay, so promise, God gave the promise, I'm waiting for the payoff, didn't happen last time, but you know, man, this is tiring. Let me go Rocky Two on this thing. Let me go, this thing. I get up here, get up here, and it's like surely it's gonna pay off this time. <sighs> uh oh, I don't see anything. Oh, buddy, what's gonna happen? Does that mean? Now wait, God gave this promise. I'm not seeing a payoff. Does that mean that God's promise failed her? What's going on? I don't get it, man. And, and, I'm really glad I wore this lightweight hoodie for my cardio workouts today. Do this. And it's like. It's like, Elijah, man, second time, I don't see anything. And Elijah says, go again. Now listen, I'm not going again. <laughs> so, and he does that, and he goes the third time and sees nothing, and Elijah says, go again. Go again. I don't see anything, go again. I don't see anything, go again. I don't see anything, go again. I'm doing it as many times as he did it. I don't see anything, go again. And then, on the seventh time, after he'd gone again and not seen anything, gone again, not seen anything, not gone again, not seen anything. The seventh time Elijah said, go again. And the servant went, all right, man, here we go. Here we go, all right, man. The seventh time, here we go. Extra deodorant for the 11 o'clock service. <laughs> he like, all right, man, let me go again. All right, man, so this, this guy's this probably not working. I don't understand why it's not working, it's not working, it's not working. Seventh time he looks, and in the distance he goes, wait, I see something. He's like, all right, man, he's running a little faster this time. Let me hold my mic pack on. (laughs) I see something this time. He's like, man, okay, I see something. It's It's not a flood, but I see something. He gets up, and Elijah says, what'd you see? And he says, I saw a cloud the size of a man's hand, and Elijah says, tell Ahab to ready his chariot, because a flood is coming. And listen, what that servant didn't understand, I heard somebody say it like this one time, what that servant didn't understand is that between God's promise and God's payoff, there's always a process. And that process is where God's not changing what's around you, it's where he's changing you. And he's working in you holy habits that he's going to fill with the wind of his spirit, they're gonna have eternal payoff. Because watch this, between the promise and the payoff, there's always a process. And you know why some people give up and they never see the payoff that God once in their life? Here's why. Because they didn't understand that there was a process between the promise and the payoff. And so they give up on the process and they forget the promise and they never see the payoff. And when you, when you start a holy habit, listen, let me get real pastoral here for a second. Okay? When you start a holy habit, what's gonna happen is you're gonna do it and you're gonna go, man, I did it, and I didn't see anything, go again. And you go, man, I did it again, and I didn't see anything, go again. I did it, and I still didn't see it. go again. Go again, go again, go again. And someday, listen, someday, you're gonna look up and you're gonna go, wait, <laughs> I thought it wasn't working, but now, instead of nothing, I see something, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand on the horizon. And go again, and go again, and go again, and again, someday that cloud, something small is gonna turn into something significant, something significant is gonna turn into a downpour. And you're gonna see what God's doing. Now listen, let me me talk to you right now, okay? Some of you, you're in this spot where you've been going to the region or the AA meeting and you've gone and you've gone and you've gone and you're like, I don't see anything. Someday, you're gonna get up and you're gonna look in your life and you're gonna see a cloud the size of a man's hand and you're gonna know that the promise is on the horizon. Some of you moms, every single day you get up and you change those diapers and you pray over those kids, and you've done that for year after year after year after year, and you're like, man, I don't see anything. In fact, the more I pray, it seems like the worse they get. Listen, go again, go again, go again, and someday you'll look up and you'll see it. It's gonna be small, but someday something small is gonna be something significant. Some of you guys, God put a calling or a ministry in your heart. And right now you're doing it and you're doing it faithfully. You're ministering to those two or three people and nobody sees, nobody sees. And there's that time where you just gotta keep going again and going again and going again. And God's not changing what's around you. He's changing you. He's preparing you for what he prepared you for is what he's doing. And someday you'll look up and you go, man, I see something. I see something. It's the size of a man's hand and someday... That's gonna become a downpour. Some of you guys, you're in this spot where you just wanna walk with Jesus and you're getting up and you pray and pray and pray or you read and read and read in the scriptures. You're like, man, I I don't see anything. Go again, go again, go again. Because by the power of the spirit, droughts turn into downpours. If you just go again. Now listen, here's, listen, we're getting ready to sing a song. I just want you to sit in your seat and receive it, soak in it by faith, make it turn it into a prayer to God. Here's what you need to understand, that while you step into those habits, look to the horizon because there you're eventually gonna see a cloud that's beginning to swell.
1: with a new future to tell. For the dry season is over. There is a cloud beginning
2: to swell.
1: To the skies, heavy with blessing, lift your eyes, offer your heart, Jesus Christ, open the heavens, now we receive the Spirit of God. time. You are Lord, Lord of the harvest, calling our hope now to arise.
2: We receive A flare, like a flood, like a flood.
1: We await the promise to come, everything that you've spoken will come to pass, oh let it be done.
0: Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit Digital.